Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the next episode of This Is Life. It's your boy, your host, Brandon Harrison, and this is a faith-based encouragement podcast to help you navigate through life. And we are in the middle of a series called Black Perspective, where I've had the honor and the privilege of talking to so many different amazing Black people that I know in different areas of life, whether it's been in education, athletics, um, business, entrepreneurship, uh, parenting, different topics. And it's a great honor and privilege I have today to talk to Ms. Chida Warren. And so, so awesome to get to talk to you and hear and share your story today. So a little bit about you. Your family owns the oldest and the largest African-American newspaper called the San Diego Voice and Viewpoint. And you were the managing editor and co-publisher. But then you started your own, I love this, digital lifestyle magazine, Black and Magazine. And there's so many other things that you've done, but I just have been able to see your journey probably for like last maybe 10 years or so. It's yeah. just been incredible to see your influence, not just in the publishing world for black people, but also just in San Diego in general. You are a community leader and just an icon, a leader who people look up to, men and women, and just somebody I'm excited to talk to you today. So that's my quick intro. <laughs> Tell us about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? That's a big question, but what's your journey been like? Huge question. First, thank you for the opportunity. I'm always so humble when people um, want to ask me those types of questions and your uh, amazing introduction. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. That's <laughs> so me. thank you for allowing me to be on this platform um, and to talk about it. So my journey has been um, an interesting one. Um, I would like to say that everything I planned didn't happen the way that I planned. So things have just kind of evolved into their own uh, happenings, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but as you mentioned, my family owns uh, San Diego's oldest and largest newspaper here in San Diego. So I grew up in the business and I hated it. I hated everything <laughs> about it. <laughs> I mean, I would have to go there after school every day. And of course I learned, you know, a lot of administrative skills being there. Um, learn how to de develop film, darkroom stuff, like before digital and typesetting and, and um, typing and answering phones and faxing. And that's when we were using typewriters. So I developed a lot of skills being in the office after school that later ended up being really good for me at a young age because by the time I went to college, my freshman year, I had a lot of great office skills that I had learned, you know, playing office at the family business. So, um, I wanted to get far away from it as possible. So I thought I was going to go away to college. My parents convinced me not to go too far. I went to San Francisco my first year, came back to San Diego, um, and then just got right back into one of the other family businesses. And I just felt stuck. Like, I wanted to get out of here. You know, yeah, I was under yeah. their under their shadow. And, oh, that's John and Jerry's daughter. And I was just really tired of it. So um, I got married, moved back east for a couple years. Um, had some kids came back here and I actually ended up moving back as a result of my mother passing and so um, came back to help my dad with the business but I was going through a lot of stuff personally was in an extremely abusive relationship I had two small children and I just felt like everything I had planned to do was just going to hell in a handbasket basically yeah. you know I, I hadn't finished college um hadn't landed that great career that most people my age had I had a crappy marriage I had amazing children, but I just felt like there was just so much instability in my home life. And so I felt like I was breaking down as a result and in addition to losing my mom. Wow. So um, 
got out of the relationship and realized it was time for me to just heal from the inside and completely surrender to whatever God had in store for me. I had been doing things the way I thought they should be, should be done up to that point. Um, and I just, I couldn't take it anymore. I was just like, God, okay, look, what do you want from me? Okay, right, like, right. what do you want? You know, so I think through all the hardship and the turmoil, I finally got to a place of surrender one place of surrender because that has been my issue throughout my journey um so amazingly enough um got through that and then hit another phase of trying to heal and rebuild after my divorce so now i'm a single parent working in the family business i'm still not completely fulfilled because the business was rebuilding after the 2008 you know downturn economic downturn right so the newspaper industry was just not the business to be in at that time i mean we were basically starting over if you will so i had this monumentous task of rebranding a 50 something year old business and when i tell you i knew nothing about it like when i came back to run the business i had to google my job description because i did not know what i was supposed to do so um and my dad helped me, but he was kind of checked out, if you will. I mean, my mother had passed, and it was just a lot of things happening that we weren't prepared for. Right. So I ended up falling in love with the business in learning my job description. Right. <laughs> and I, I started recognizing that the newspaper had a huge impact on the community. Yes. Um, when people, for me, it was it was laying out the paper every week. It was pulling content, writing articles, and that was just my job. But then when I would see things printed and people's responses and the impact, I was like, wait, this is serious. Like, people are really impacted. And because I would live vicariously through the journalist and I was always at the office or at home, I didn't really engage with the public a lot. So I wasn't even able to really see the impact of the content out in public, like the speculation of the paper, people reading it, like I just didn't see that. Right. So it didn't really mean much to me until people would come back and say things or until people would start sending me invitations to get awards and stuff. And I'm like, wait, I didn't do anything. All I do was write a story. <laughs> but I loved storytelling and I loved um, putting the paper together. I really just fell in love with it. And I felt like my mother's spirit just kind of fell on me wow. during that process. So then I started understanding why she was so passionate about the business. It was nothing I once said, it was just this feeling I got. And I really feel like God just kind of opened my eyes up. It's like literally I could see the business through her eyes. Wow. And I swear one day I was walking through the office, it was like her mantle fell on me. I just was like, oh, remember that movie Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg and yeah. what's his name? And when she got into his body and she was able to like, see things the way he saw like oh okay like that's literally how i felt so it was an interesting uh, moment in my life and so the more i fell in love with the business the more i realized that i had always loved writing i started writing as a child i wrote my first novel when i was like 10. and my parents were reading it on the plane we were coming back from somewhere and uh we all fell asleep on the plane and they put the book in the back of the seat in front of them and left it on the plane. So I was like a hundred pages in. I mean, this thing was intense. And my mom was like, where are you getting this stuff from? And I was like, I don't know. So that kind of crushed the, the desire to write in me for a while because I've always felt like you have to respect words when they come to you. But for me as a writer, words can hit me in the most inopportune time. I mean, on the toilet, in the shower, in the 
and it's like this flood of words will come and you have to stop what you're doing and write you know I'm learning to do that so um a lot of the things I had written was so organic and I just I didn't know how to rebuild I didn't know how to start over so from 10 on like I wrote a little bit I do some journaling but I just didn't really write much after that um when I got into the newspaper business I started writing more and it was crazy because now I look back over issues that we published and like there were so many errors <laughs> oh my god there was so much stuff I did wrong but I'm thankful that my dad allowed me the opportunity just to wow. to, to do it in a mess up you know the public was so gracious um a lot of, it was so much on the job training you know, I was not formally trained. Nobody in my family was formally trained in it. Um, and to be a great writer, you have to read. I always tell people, you want to write, you should read. So I just started studying other um, other newspapers and, and magazines. And I really found I was falling in love with magazine style of storytelling because there's a very distinct difference between magazine articles and newspaper articles. Newspapers are very informational fact-based you know feeding you the information they they don't really have a lot of emotion even though some articles can but magazine storytelling can go on indefinitely and and i love the fact that when you looked in a magazine you could tell this amazing story interlaced with photos mm -hmm. you know so it's not all on one page so the story can go 10 pages and you have all these great pictures and and that was just amazing to me, especially being a photographer. You right. know, I love that. So I said, you know what? One day I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. It was like 2014. And I had thought about it, but then I was like, well, how am I gonna do this and the newspaper? You know, yeah. I can't I can't leave my dad, you know. And I went to church one day. Uh my girlfriend at the time, um, she she worked in the office with me. I say girlfriend, you guys listening, I'm old school. So back in the our day, girlfriend meant like a friend girl. Yeah. Girl, that's close to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, terms are changing these days. I know, that's so true. <laughs> right. Like, wait a minute. So um she was going to uh Pastor Gwen Matthews Church mm -hmm. and she invited me to church. Um I'm in the back, okay. And Pastor Gwen gave me a prophetic word. Like I'm in the last row. And she's like, I see you sitting with all these magazines around you, and you're gonna hit a, a, a space in your life where you're going to have to decide whether to stay or go mm. and I didn't know what she was talking about I'm like, whatever <laughs> I'm not leaving the place of viewpoint you know <laughs> so um you know I, I kept the word and I was just like whatever because I hadn't really spoken to anybody about my desire to go into magazine storytelling and so um also I would look at the San Diego magazine mm -hmm. and I would be so frustrated that they didn't have stories reflective of us like if you're going to be san diego's magazine you need to be more inclusive exactly. that irritated me you know i hated that so time went on and i felt the wear and tear of the business especially being a single parent because i was working nonstop. and a part of the responsibility in being in journalism is you have to stay ahead of the news like you have to be the one to feed it to the public so I was always reading and just there was so much stuff happening you know and then being a community-based publication we aren't often afforded the um 
the luxury of large staff like dailies or publications that have a lot of money. So there's sometimes you wear multiple hats, you know. Mm-hmm. One day you might be doing some accounting, another day you might be doing some sales, some ad sales, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was all of that. Um, and then dealing with the fact that I was working alongside my dad, mm-hmm. which was so interesting because you have this big generational divide and right. we had thinking so there were times we would bump heads like we would go at it in the office i mean not only was he my employer but we were we were co-bosses and so annie's my dad right right and is dr warren you know anybody (laughs) that's met him (laughs) pretty intense (laughs) so there have been times we like he would call me and i felt he was being out of pocket and i'd be like dad i'm about to hang up yeah. He's like, if you hang up on me, it's about to be bad. And I'm like, well, no, I'm telling you I'm going to hang up, so I'm not <laughs> hanging up on you. Like, I'm hanging up because I don't like how you're talking to me right now. Yeah. And one day I did that. I said, Dad, I'm hanging up the phone. And he was not happy. And my dad is an alpha male. You never know when he's so alpha male. And he's old school. He's from the South, you know. <laughs> yeah. I hung that phone up, and he got to the office in 0.5 seconds, and he told the whole staff to take a long walk. And we got it. We was yelling. We was in it. Like, you know what? <laughs> we got through it. So yeah. it was just that. It was the whole dynamic. It was so crazy. And uh, I said, you know what? I need to slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a lot. I'm carrying a lot of weight. I'm still healing from going through a divorce. Right. Trauma from being a domestic abuse survivor and trying to raise two small children. And just to get back to who I was, you know, I just had lost my identity. And so there was still stuff I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to go back and finish my degree. I wanted to go into law school. I wanted to travel more. Wow. And time was just slipping away. And I said, I have to do something different. And it was to the point where I realized I wasn't even taking care of myself physically. I didn't even know I was anemic. And so there would be days like, I would be so sleepy, be so tired driving, falling asleep driving, uh, weekends with the kids, you know, we have plans to do stuff and I had no energy to go anywhere because I was sleeping all the time. And if people aren't aware of what anemia does, it definitely, it means you have a low uh, blood count, your iron is low and it affects your energy. So I could have a long night's sleep, you know, eight hours, but by 11 o'clock, I'm dead tired again and could sleep for another six hours i didn't know i was anemic until i sent my kids to be with their father one summer it was like a six-week break Mm -hmm. and i stopped to go to the doctor and they were like your iron's low and things like that i would never stop to make an appointment for myself you know it was just always i'm busy so that was just a big flag for me so um 2017 i said you know at the end of this year i I got to make a difference. I got to change. I was uh, 36 mm-hmm. and um, looking at my peers, and people were doing well in life, having, you know, have families, having children, buying homes. And I just wasn't in a space to advance on any level. And sometimes working in a family business, you could take some hits financially, you know, where I would take a pay cut to hire somebody. So it was just always this hope that things will get better so you can get where you need to be. Yeah. And, um, so I said, Dad, I have to go. Like, I, I can't. You know, I wanted, I want to do this magazine. It wasn't intended to, you know, conflict with the newspaper, but it was something I wanted to try my hand at, and I knew I needed more time to focus on that and go back to school. Oddly enough, um, 
when I said that, made that decision in 2017, that summer, my ex-husband had asked, could uh, the kids come live with him? Wow. And I was like, I got to pray about that. Right. Let, me, let me see. You know, we've had some, and we, we stayed in contact, you know, obviously after the divorce, but I had to go through a long process of forgiveness because mm-hmm. uh, I was, I was hot. You know, I was livid. And as much as I wanted God to get him back, um, I remember talking to God one day and God said, he's still my son. Wow. Like, I know what he did to you, but he still belongs to me. I was like, doggone it. So (laughs) what about me, you know? Right. He's like, you got to forgive him. You know, you got to forgive him. And um, I never put myself in a space to speak negatively about him to my children. I mean, my oldest son probably remembered some stuff, but, you know, I wasn't bad-mouthing their dad when he left. I knew they would get older and they would want a relationship with him, so I had to leave space for that without influencing that in a negative way. So I had to go through my process of forgiveness and just trust God would deal with it. It it wasn't my concern. Um, I prayed about it. God gave me peace. He's like, they need their father, you know? They need to go with their dad. I was like, all right. And it got to the point, oddly enough, where I couldn't even really afford to take care of my children. It's just getting expensive. I mean, I have two boys, they're getting bigger. Their dad is 6'5", so they're gonna be big. So they're just the shoes alone, like two of them. They eat like crazy, they're athletic. So I was like, I, I'm spent, like I can't do this right. by myself, you know? So I said, okay, they can come. So they had seen him the summer before during their six week break. And that was kind of his physical introduction back into life, even though he had talked to him on the phone and stuff. But I told him, okay. So he flew into LAX uh, June 3rd and I packed the boys up, packed all their stuff up. They were so excited and I drove to LAX and he literally came through baggage claim, got the kids and he said our goodbyes and they left. And I cried the whole car ride. I was going to church in like Nelson at the time and I bought the whole car ride to church. I was just like, God, you're so unfair. What is, why did I do that? You know, I'm mad at God. And um, I got to church and the pastor knew, Holy Spirit told him I was on my way to church. So I get through the door and he's kind of at the tail end of the service and he just looks over and he's like, <laughs> so I get up there and um, he's just ministering to me about the whole process he's like this is this is what you need right now and he said little did you know you allowing your kids to go with their father was an answer to their prayers wow and i was like wow and it just opened up my eyes in so many ways because i had my both of my children are saved they speak in tongues they pray you know, we have intercession time. Like, I wasn't playing with the jokers. And I always told them, you know, you don't belong to me, you belong to God. Yeah. And as much as I would teach them about prayer and allowing them to see the manifestations of our answered prayer, they had their own prayer requests that I didn't really know about. Mm-hmm. And so God was like, I need to prove myself to them. This isn't only about you. So then started the journey of getting back to everything I had been wanting. Little did I know this is how God was answering my prayer of getting back to me. And I was like, oh, this how you gonna do it? So it just was this process of peeling back layers 
of things that I just hadn't had the time to deal with. And so a week after they left, um, I was at the office with my dad and he's like, why don't you suddenly look back, you know, going back into school? And I was like, yeah, I thought about it. Well, reapplied to the school. Mind you, I have been academically disqualified from USD about four times. Oh man. Like, you're never coming back. Like never. <laughs> don't look back. We don't want you. And that's a whole nother story why that even happened. But I reapplied again. They were like, okay, you can come back. So school was starting that August, September or August. So mind you, the kids go immediately. God starts opening up doors for stuff. Move out of my town home I'm in. Trying to get on campus housing, that door is closed. Found a, a room to rent, walking distance from the school. Craigslist, first place pops up. It's down the street from the school. God's like, I got you. So it starts this long journey of trusting him and being obedient. Mind you, I still had the ideas with the magazine. Um, the magazine, let's see, launched I want to say 2018. Yeah, so 2017 is when I started kind of scaling back on this process. 2018 is when my kids left. The magazine launched in May of 2018. My kids left in June. School started in August. Wow. So I had all these grandiose plans. I did a Kickstarter and business plan set. It's going to be great. Nothing happened the way that I planned. I was so frustrated. I have this app, I put all this money out. And I was just like, God, I know what you showed me, but like, what are you doing? I can't see you. Like, I feel like this is a big joke. You know, I, what's going on? And um, I felt like the karate kid, you know, out there waxing them cars. Like, <laughs> is this for a purpose? Like. <laughs> So I had a team, I had people that were doing things and then it ended up being a team of one. So the things I hired people to do now, I was doing and I'm pissed off about it. You know, I'm like, this is not the best use of my time. But little did I know my skills were being perfected and doing the work myself that I was gonna do for something else a year later, which is my consulting business. So I have my magazine and I have a consulting business too. So I'm mad, I'm mad. But in being mad on the business side, um, I had one year left to school. So I started that fall, finished that May. Um, like a $62,000 tuition for the year. And um, I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for this. And I had literally gotten down to nothing. Like car got repossessed because I wasn't working anymore. And my dad was low key pissed, you know? So he's like, go ahead, do what you, you know, do what you gonna do. I'm on EBT. I'm now a full-time student. Um, I don't know where I'm gonna make money from because I'm in class full-time. Like, I don't have time for a part-time job. Um, Card's about to get taken. And I'm just like, God, come on, man. Like, I've been good. Like, why are you doing this to me, you know? Right. Didn't know how I was gonna pay tuition. And it's like he was just saying, watch, you know, just watch. So the week my car was, getting repossessed little did I know they were coming for it um my godmother her son had just bought a car um and it was a Mercedes 2002 she's like oh look what he got and I was like cool and Holy Spirit was like that's your car she she didn't even know why she was showing it to me he's like that's your car and I was like I'm not driving no Mercedes real fact real truth 
I didn't think I was worthy enough to drive a Mercedes. Wow. I felt, and it was so weird, and he was just breaking down mindsets that, first of all, it's just a car. I'm not even a materialistic person like that. Yeah. But for some reason, I felt like I was um, living this imposter's situation that I shouldn't even be on. So he's like, I'm gonna break you out of that. Okay, you're my daughter. I said, I take yeah. care of you. So I asked him, you know, would he be interested in selling a car to me? I was like, I don't have all this money, but you know, I'll make payment plans. He's like, cool. So get the payment plan set. And um, he, I go get the car. I pick the car up and it's like a Tuesday and I park it and I'm still driving my other car. And I'm like, I'm not driving that. You know, I'm just listening. I'm not, I would not drive the car, Brandon. <laughs> Thursday morning, I'm walking to school. Mm-hmm. My car is gone. They picked it up. Oh my God. And it was like, God was like, you see how I got you? Like, I didn't miss a beat with transportation. Okay. Whoa. So now I have to drive it. <laughs> like, oh God. So that was one thing. There's so many other testimonies with that. But during this season, he had been kind of rewiring my thinking, you know, retraining my um, my mind. And all the while, allowing me to see that there was still value in my business. So while there, this wasn't something I wanted to do necessarily as far as um, media early on, I grew into loving it. And even through all the hardships, I still stayed with it. So, you know, I had to start paying attention to the response. He was teaching me how to just sit back and pay attention and really to check my motives. Um, I think a lot of times when people get into business, they want this instant success, instant gratification, and your heart will really be exposed during the process. Um, If your only motivation is money, that's going to come out. And I'm only two years in with the magazine, but I think my love for it has really come through because I do it for no money. Yeah. You know? My consulting business is doing great. That's that's my bread and butter business. But seeing him take me through school, what I did mention was that my whole tuition ended up being covered. What? I kept killing it. My tuition got covered. Um, I just... It was just like he was saying, so if I, if I can carry you through this, I can carry you through your business and other stuff, but you have to be patient and you got to allow me to work, you know, in your life. So, you know, during this whole season, even in the pandemic, it just really requires a lot of listening to him. I think God puts a, a thing in all of us, especially if he gives you that entrepreneurial spirit. But at the end of the day, whatever he puts in you is for his glory. It's for his kingdom. It's not about us, you know. Um, we're vessels. I'm just a vessel that happens to do what I do. You know what I'm saying? And um, I think once I really caught on to that, all these things I was anxious about doing kind of went out the window. You know, I go at my own pace. I, I'm not competing with anybody. Yeah. There were some weeks and months I wasn't consistent. I just was tired. I was like, I don't want to do this right now. And I would really be yelling at God like, I'm good. (laughs) You got the wrong one, you know, but he kept, you know, nudging me to stay with it. And now people were watching and that it was making a difference. And so when I understood that the work that I do is unto him, it's not unto people. 
So as much as we look at numbers and stuff as entrepreneurs, like on social media and stuff like right. that, I don't, I don't really look at it for that purpose. I look at it because there's times I have to report it back to people for different reasons. Um, but it's not a goal, you know? And one thing my dad taught me in the business, which was such a, a great point, he said, it's not about how many people you reach, it's about how many you touch. Cause there's a clear difference. And I was like, yeah, that's so true. And so being able to watch life happen as a journalist, you know, I get access to certain things. Like during the protest, I was able to cross the police line and kind of see life on both sides. Like I got to see the officers in their eyes, you know, behind the mask. I, I was standing in front of them when they were shooting uh, rubber pellets, uh, bullets and throwing tear gas. Like I could, I was right there and it was just like, I had a vantage point that most people don't get to have. And um, I didn't take that for granted. And so in the accesses that I'm afforded, the things I'm, the accessibility I'm afforded, um, I always ask God, what do you want me to do with this? Yeah. And I think that's when he can trust you more. When you realize it's, it's not about you. Now there are benefits, I think it's his children. And in serving him, there's things he, he wants to, to take joy in so you know i'm not saying my life is all like work even though it has been but mm -hmm. there's things that in having benefits i do get to enjoy you yeah. know because of what i do but um yeah i i at the end of the day i just kind of abandoned all my little plans because <laughs> yeah. i was like i yeah, God, everything that I wrote out on my little list. Um, no, so I mean, that's just a, a snippet into how I got to where I'm at today and falling in love with God's purpose yeah. for my life instead of mine and allowing my purpose and vision to be what he wants it to be. Um, breaking down a lot of fear factors and um, not limiting him, you know? So that's what it's really been and when i don't limit him and i listen to his instruction he's like do this then it kind of turns into another road that i'm traveling down on this journey of um, entrepreneurship and, and publishing um and so i would tell anybody just you have to seek him i know it sounds cliche but you have to ask god what his desire is for your life yeah and and, and go with it because that's really the best route that we could take you know yeah. that there's restoration at the end of it all you know things might not happen as quickly as you want the healing process may take some time but he's he's so faithful you know he's so faithful i think i answered your question <laughs> <laughs> you answered all my questions i was like oh this is so good you did and that you inspired me so much and just listening and learning that is an incredible journey so many ups and downs but what you said is so true is God's faithful and I love what you said a lot of people who listen to this too have shared with me just the inspiration that they're getting from these stories and just hearing your ups and downs and the things that you have gone through that would probably crush any other person and I'm just like you have come through and like, you're, like you said you're still on your journey but it's just amazing to see how God is using you and that quote you just said about what your dad said is not about how many people that you reach, but if you touch them and how much people you can actually touch and the work that you're doing is touching so many people. And that's just my, my closing question is, how do other young black women and men too 
keep on touching people on their journey and really inspiring and influencing them. I, I was asking people at first, like, how do people get to where you are? But everybody's journey is different. And just hearing yours, like everybody gets to their spots differently. But how does somebody keep pushing through so they can keep touching different lives? Just any last encouragement for people who, like you said, feel they keep hitting roadblocks or just life keeps happening. So what's your last encouragement for people to keep on touching lives? How do you do that? Yeah, again, I would just say your focus has to be him. I, I would have never thought I'd have the testimony that I have and things are still happening. I just announced that I got accepted to Clark Atlanta's graduate program. Graduate nice. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. And that was a, a dream that I had from when I was young to go to a black historically black college. And I thought it was never going to happen ever. Like I'm married, I have kids, I have responsibilities and how God just cleared the path. And now I'll be an hour from my children by plane and and Clark is online this year. The whole school right. is online. So like I could still be here and go to a black college. <laughs> That's huge. I mean It's crazy. It's crazy. So I think when you keep living and allow God to to perform his perfect work in your life and be transparent. I I just I just decided to live a life of transparency because you never know who you're going to touch. Because when I was going through my stuff, when I was being abused, when I was in the thick of stuff, when I lost my mom, I was online looking for other people's stories. I needed encouragement. Yes. I don't think anybody should be ashamed of, of the space, the, the place that they're at in their life. Um, I think the comparison game could really mm. touch a little. Um, we think about our ages, like I'm 39 and, and friends my age who are a lot more stable I mean I'm renting a room you know I went from living in a house a three-level townhome to renting a room it's a humbling experience to go from like walk-in closet to a room <laughs> you're like okay so having that transparency and just and just being like this is my truth right now this isn't the yes. end of it but, but being transparent in your truth, and I'm not saying you have to go announce it, but I believe God will offer that space and time for you to share your story. And so that's the biggest thing, living your truth, be okay with it. Um, your story matters. Everybody's story has significance. Yeah. No one's story is greater than the other because my story may not be for everyone, but it's, it's for those few that needed to hear it, just like someone else's story, you yeah. know? It's like you go down the street and there's 10 fast food restaurants. Everybody's not going to eat at all of those, you know? Perfect example. Yeah. So that's my biggest encouragement. Live your life. Um, be connected to him. I think in this pandemic, we're having to, you know, we can't go to church. And right. a lot of people are just dealing with that, that hard truth of being alone with God, you know? Right. <laughs> it's like, you got to talk to him. You can't get the pastor to do it nope. before you. No, you know, altar calls here. Right. Get the guy yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be the biggest thing I would offer. Um, because when the Bible says, eyes have not seen and ear has not heard the things that God has in store for those that love him. And I'm sure I'm super paraphrasing that scripture. There's so much happening. We can't comprehend the fullness of what he has for us. And the minute we try to, we mess up every time. And so yeah. literally trust him. And there's room for everybody too. I want to say that. Yeah. If you trust him, there is a space for you to be successful, to to um, serve your purpose fully. 
um, to be financially well off as a result, but it comes to seeking the kingdom, it comes to seeking him, you know, and he adds to that. Um, so yeah, those are my, my, my nuggets that I live by and, and just to, to take life one day at a time, be in the moment, be in the moment. I can't stress that enough. Um, be in the moment, tomorrow's not promised. So yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And that's, that's so true. And what you just said really struck a chord with me because that's the reason why I even started this podcast is because this year my, my dad passed away and my grandpa passed away. Both were sudden, both were extremely influential voices in my life. And what you just said, it's really centered me along with the pandemic and all the racial issues. I was like, every single person's story matters. So I wanted to just reach out and see how this goes and share people's stories because what you said is so true. I'm like, I didn't know my dad was going to pass. And he was 64 years old. Did so young. Come. Yeah, extremely young. So when that happened, it really was like, okay, Lord, what you got for me? I'm like, let's, let's, let's do this because this is scary. Like you said, not being able to go to church and then losing my dad. And then a couple months later, my grandpa, I'm like, okay, Lord, I want to, like you said, I want to reach out and hear people's stories. Like you said, encourage others. And you're encouraging me. And everybody's encouraged me doing these interviews. So it's been a blessing, but to share these, you just never know who's going to hear it and how your story is going to impact them. And that's what I, I kept thinking about that legacy of my dad and my grandpa and just hearing all the lives that they impacted. And that was the point of doing this Black Perspective, just sharing everything you said was so powerful, but I'm like, I don't know where this is going to go and how many people it's going to impact, but I know it's going to touch somebody because your journey was not by accident or by a mistake, but everything you shared is okay somebody's gonna hear this I'm like you know what i can keep going i can keep on pushing through amidst all the pandemic the uncertainty the stress of life like you said relationships all the different things you, you put together i'm like man this is gonna encourage somebody because your story's powerful yeah it's crazy you know what the aha moment i had was you know we're, we're in those services and we're in the middle of praise and worship and we're like god use me yeah okay <laughs> and then life starts happening you're like wait Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a scary thing to say to God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're, you're such an encouragement and I've been watching your journey over the years as well. And I'm so glad that you're doing what you're doing. And Thank you. Please continue, you know, it's needed. People need to, in this season, learn how to work through grief. I, my, my mom and grandmother didn't pass that close together, but it was a year apart and mm. that's a double, double whammy. You're like, whoa, and, and everything that you knew is, is changed yep. you know people people need to hear that and i will say for people that are dealing with grieving um the one the two things that got me through my time of grieving was watching the movie uh heaven is for real oh okay so much um and i listened to jesse duplantis's testimony about going to heaven and the challenge that i had when my mom died, because I thought she was gonna stay. I'm like, God, she was one of your warriors. She was one of your generals. Like, really? You let her go, you know? And um, one day, uh, this woman that was working for Morris Cerullo's ministry told my sister, we were interceding, believing for my mom had cancer. We were believing for her healing. While she didn't die of cancer, she had cancer. But I don't believe she died of cancer. Mm -hmm. I believe she was ready to go, and she just happened to have cancer, and I was away from her. I strongly believe that. But the woman told us, she said, whatever happens between your mother and God doesn't concern you. Wow. <laughs> that your mother belonged to God before she belonged to you. Whoa. So whatever he decides, it's none of your business. 
Jeez. And we were like, okay. <laughs> that settled it for me. She said, your mother belonged to God before she belonged to you. Dang. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and God was like, really if you really believe, yeah. if you really believe, then act like it. Ooh. If you believe she's with me, yeah. if you believe you're going to heaven, then act like it. Yeah, try to. Okay. <laughs> That's powerful. Because you said that earlier too about your kids and you were saying like, okay, God, they belong to you. And you say that now about your mom. That's, me and God have had those conversations these last couple of months about those deep questions about, okay, Lord, I know I've been a believer my whole life, but okay, heaven, like for real, like my dad's there. It, it, I've really been wrestling with all that. Like, okay, Lord, I say I believe you, but now I'm like, he's really with you. And I have to trust and believe that. And like you said, know that God definitely had him in his hand before my dad was in my life. So it's that's a powerful truth you said. Now that that movie, please watch it. Please watch it. There's a book and there's a movie. The little boy, of course, is growing up, but it, it's powerful. I just, it, it'll change your whole life. Yeah. It'll, it'll bring you so much comfort. And it was something I would go back to repeatedly. Whenever I would talk to someone, um, that was suffering a loss and you know mm. it just it helped me you know i'm definitely gonna watch that yeah. definitely will well thank you for your time and well last question how can people financially support you how can they support any projects that you're doing where can people follow you on social media so they can stay involved with all that you're doing yeah so i um let me see where hey your book to everything like yeah let me let me get let me get one thing i forgot to pull it out hold on So one thing that I do have, like, so the magazine is free. The magazine is Black and Magazine, um, B-L-A-C-K-A-N-D magazine.com. That's the website. I do have an app for the magazine now. So you can go into your app store, Google Play, and download it. That's free. Um, we'll be monetizing some stuff soon, but for now, it's free. Um, I do have this children's book that I wrote some years ago um, called My Prayers Have Power. So this is one thing I am selling, and it's a book that I wrote Um for my kids, my son, when he was uh, little, because their dad was teaching them from home and I wanted to be a part of the process and I didn't know how. So I was like, well, I'll write a story for them. And um, so I wrote this book about prayer and teaching, teaching children how to pray. So that's one thing. So people can just inbox me. All my social media handles are Chida Rebecca. Um, and that's one thing. But other than that, you know, go to the Facebook page, the website, download the app for the magazine and yeah, and then I have my consulting business, um, ChidaRebecca.com. It hasn't, the site hasn't launched yet. I'm like a week late, I think, the deadline I set for myself. But um, that's my media and um, marketing coaching site where I help people in that area. So, yep. Excellent. I'll be encouraging everybody to follow and support you because you're doing amazing work. And not and not just amazing work, but just an amazing person, seriously. And that's that's what matters even more than all the work you produce because you really have the heart going after God and all that you're doing and just putting so much, so much good into San Diego that you've done over so many years. And it's just an honor and privilege to hear and to share your story. So thank you, Chai, for your time for real, big time.